places we could go with this. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a finite selection of books, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a decent variety, so there are lots of different ways we could go, but I thought it might be best to, um, to look at the, the selections that are actually in our lectionary. This stuff is actually close to our worship already. How about it? Um, just to give us exposure to it, and just to, just to um, yeah, just to get used to reading this. Some of this stuff, it'll be the first time we've ever read it. But again, I mean, I've mentioned this before, but I think we're, I think we're going to be surprised by how familiar this stuff feels. Um, so what I've got is I've got some handouts uh, sprinkled around. There's a couple on that table over there, there's a couple on that table, um, and then there's some here that are untaken. If anybody wants them, just grab one. They're uh, three, three half sheets of paper. Um, I want to reiterate before we get into this a couple things that I said last week. Um, we're, we're approaching this with a spirit of reverent discernment, right? So if there's stuff here in these books that are not in our Protestant Bibles that, that are problematic, you are more than welcome to discard them. You know, that, we, we, that is, uh, that, that, that's the discernment part. You know, that is, that's the part where, um, you know, we have to use our, our, our wisdom here. And there, there may be things here that you disagree with. I think those will be few and far between. And I think you'll be surprised by how much of this is, again, familiar. But there's, uh, there are no tricks here. This is not, uh, uh, there's, no, uh, there's no secret Gnostic stuff here that, uh, that you're, you're being tricked into. So I just want to... Mm-hmm encourage you here at the outset that, you know, you're more than welcome to discard anything that we're about to read, because uh, this is not the fundamentals, this is not the, this is not the milk, this is the meat and potatoes, um, so yeah, does anybody have any thoughts from last week before we dive in? Okay. All right, so, Wisdom of Solomon is um, part of the wisdom tradition in the, in the, um, in the apostolic traditions, meaning in the Catholic and Orthodox ways of doing things, uh, there are seven wisdom books. And this is one of them. Um, it, uh, it really matters in when you're talking about the canon and about the books of the Bible. Um, it matters how many of each section there is. That actually has significance to it. 
and this is where you get into numerology type stuff. Um, it matters that there are five books of the Torah. It matters that there are four gospels. So this is something that, you know, that, that naturally develops as the canon develops over time. It naturally follows that there are seven wisdom literature books. It's just, you know, no more, no less. Seven is a good number for that. So are, these, are these books in order in the Apocrypha, these seven wisdom books? Are they in the, I think in the Orthodox books they are. I'm not sure about the Catholic. Could, 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 you, could you name them? Maybe? I could try. I, yeah, I know Job is one of them, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, um, Wisdom of Solomon, Wisdom of Sirach. Uh, Did I say Proverbs already? Yeah, yeah. Proverbs. Uh, um, it's the five we have. The Psalms would would it be part of the. Yeah, yeah it's Psalms. The five that we have plus Wisdom of Solomon, and Wisdom of Sirach. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 two more. Uh, two more. Yeah. Okay. It's two more. Yeah. Okay. To make a complete set. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's that's what we're reading. Um, you know, Wisdom of Sirach is also known as Ecclesiastes. Yes. Yes. Um, was it written by Solomon? We don't know. What we have is is Greek, so uh, we you know we don't have any original Hebrew text. Uh, we can say that it was written in the tradition of Solomon for sure, um, and that's probably all they cared about when they titled it "Wisdom of Solomon." Is it's in line with Solomon's teachings. Um, in many ways, it's very similar to Proverbs. There's a lot of overlap in terms of content, the type of things they were talking about. It talks about the way of wisdom and the way of folly. It talks a lot about lady wisdom. Um, it talks about um, uh, the consequences of wise living versus foolish living. I think if I were to say any, any difference between the two, it's probably that this one is a lot more... Um, it's a lot more last days focused. It's a lot more, uh, uh, you could call it eschatological. Um, it, it, uh, and it's and it, in the same vein, it's more messianic, I would say. Uh, it's more Christological. There's uh, plenty of these to go around, y'all. Does uh, everybody have them? Okay, so these texts are from our lectionary. They're just short passages. Um, and as time permits, we can just read through them. And if we get done early, we'll get done early. Um, this, is a, this, this, this lesson is going to be a lot more flexible. Um, I don't necessarily have particular things that I'm trying to get done here. I just want us to practice reading these and get exposure to them. So, um, yeah, so we can go as long or short on each of these passages as we want to. What we'll do is we'll read one, and then it'll be open for discussion. And um, whoever would like to share things that maybe stick out to them, things that they find interesting, uh, you're more than welcome to do so. Um, I may have a few things here or there, but for the most part, I'm just going to read them and then sort of open it up to you guys and just let the conversation flow. I'm more kind of facilitating than anything else at this point. So, uh, Wisdom of Solomon. From chapters 1 and 2. But ungodly men by their words and deeds summon death. 
Considering him a friend, they pined away, and they made a covenant with him, because they are fit to belong to his party. For they reasoned unsoundly, saying to themselves, Short and sorrowful is our life, and there is no remedy when a man comes to his end. And no one has been known to return from Hades. Let us lie in wait for the righteous man, because he is inconvenient to us and opposes our actions. He reproaches us for sins against the law and accuses us of, of, accuses us of sins against our training. By the way, uh, in, Craig, I know you have the Orthodox Study Bible over there that provides another translation. So if there's anything interesting between the two translations, feel free to point it out that you notice as you're reading along. So, um, he professes to have knowledge of God and calls himself a child of the Lord. He became to us a reproof of our thoughts. The very sight of him is a burden to us because his manner of life is unlike that of others and his ways are strange. We are considered by him as something base and he avoids our ways as unclean. He calls the last end of the righteous happy and boasts that God is his father. Let us see if his words are true. Let us test what will happen at the end of his life. For if the righteous man is God's son, he will help him and will deliver him from the hand of his adversaries. Let us test him with insult and torture, that we may find out how gentle he is, and make trial of his forbearance. Let us condemn him to a shameful death, for according to what he says, he will be protected. Thus they reasoned, thus they were led astray, for their wickedness blinded them. They did not know the secret purposes of God, nor hope for the wages of holiness, nor discern the prize for blameless souls. I had talked to him. Well, as you say, I mean, this seems to me to be, I've never read this before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this seems to be highly Christological here, or in all. Like, I mean, this is quoted, I mean, in the, uh, more or less, in some of the New Testament accounts. Of the absolutely, Christ, absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is, it is very explicitly prophetic of the crucifixion. A shameful death, uh, taunting, uh, calling God his father. Exactly. Um, Now imagine this being read uh, in our lectionary along with other readings. I mean, imagine how, you know, how deeply Christian, yeah, it just fits right in. This is exactly, uh, this is exactly about Christ here. What else you got? Let us test him with insult and torture. Um, There's a quote from Augustine in his commentary on the crucifixion, and he references this uh, passage. This is, uh, Augustine said uh, in his commentary on, I think it was Matthew, I think. Thus insulting him as he hung on the cross, they shook their heads saying, if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. With these words, as one reads in the book of wisdom, they thought thus, but were mistaken. Their wickedness blinded them. Um, one thing that stuck out to me was um, uh, where was it? The very sight of him is a burden to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
ever been around someone so godly that you almost can't stand being in their presence? Uh, there's a, yeah, you're, uh, uh, I can't believe this is coming up in Sunday school, but you know, in The Simpsons, it's, uh, <laughs> it's that, uh, that neighbor, that neighbor friend who's such a good person, and Homer just, he just can't stand being around him. Um, and he's not trying to be a witness. He's not trying to, you know, it's just, it's just a natural outflow of, you know, your life with Christ. You can't help but be a witness at that point. You know, you're just, it's just, yeah, it's, it's actions. Actions speak louder than words. And it shines so brightly that, you know, some people hate it. Some people can't stand it. Um, and that is when you're following Christ into his suffering is when you're rejected just it's just the, the sight of you is a burden to people. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord when we're happy, right? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Anything else? Um, is it in Proverbs where uh, there's something about like keeping coals on someone else's head? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It almost seems to flesh that out mm-hmm. in terms or like provide more of an image to go along with that. Mm-hmm. That like you may like they're testing mm-hmm. him to see how gentle will he be. Like if mm-hmm. it's continuing doing that, it's putting something back on them. Of like it's like almost looking in a mirror. Of, like we're filthy, and so like so as they as they as they heap insults on the righteous man, the son of God, it it just adds to their own mm-hmm. torment and to their own hell. Is that, that's kind of what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Well, we can move on to the next one. Um, <coughs> the, the next one is uh, from Wisdom chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. If anybody would like to read these, you're welcome to. Some of us learn better by actually doing so. Does anyone want to read these? The Wisdom 3 passage? I'm more than happy to. But if anyone would like to, you're welcome to. All right, I got it. <laughs> but the souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish, they seem to have died. And their departure was thought to be an affliction, and their going from us to be their destruction, but they are at peace. For though in the sight of men they were punished, their hope is full of immortality. Having been disciplined a little, they will receive great good, because God tested them and found them worthy of himself. Like gold in the furnace he tried them, and like a sacrificial burnt offering he accepted them. In the time of their visitation, they will shine forth. And will run like sparks through the stubble. They will govern nations and rule over peoples, and the Lord will reign over them forever. Those who trust in him will understand truth, and the faithful will abide with him in love, because grace and mercy are upon his elect, and he watches over his holy ones. seven in the time of their visitation. Um, 
that is a phrase that shows up sometimes in the New Testament. Um, in First Peter, I'll look up the verse just to just to hammer it home. First uh, Peter two twelve. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evil persons, <coughs> they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And then Luke 19, 44. They will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of visitation. I don't believe, and I, I could be wrong here, but I don't believe that that particular phrase uh, shows up often in the Old Testament. I, it may show up a time or two. I can't think of any particular references where the time of visitation shows up. Um, again, I could be wrong there, but it does seem to me that um, when these New Testament passages are talking about the time of visitation, that they're referencing this passage here. Um, it's talking about the end times. It's talking about the day of the Lord. Um, the, on one hand, the destruction of the ungodly and the salvation of the elect. In fact, the, you know, that's very explicitly talked about in this passage. Uh, those who trust in him, you know, grace and mercy are upon the elect. Mm -hmm. In the time of visitation, they will shine forth. Um, now, it already talked about the death of the righteous. So it's, it's, it's talking about their visitation after they've already died. So... This is a hint of the resurrection here. You know, how are they going to visit after they are already dead? Um, in the eyes of the foolish, they seem to have died. Their departure was thought to be an affliction. Um, but they are at peace, patiently waiting for Christ's return. Upon his return, that is the time of their visitation. You may recall that um, at the moment of Christ's resurrection... Uh, other people rose from the dead as well. Um, that was the time of their visitation. You know, it wasn't their permanent resurrection. You know, but they were visiting once again. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a moment of visitation. These New Testament verses that you read are both about an habit. Yes. About first at the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that yeah. Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. <coughs> the uh, in this uh, uh, this Solomon passage, the, uh, the promises of uh, judging nations and ruling over peoples is part of the, the promise to the church. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but it's limited. Tells us also a rule over angels. So this is kind of a it's kind of a veiled view, uh, view of the church anyway. I have very little I can speak to that. <laughs> I do not pretend to understand what that means. Um, but it's there. It's it's very clearly there. Having been disciplined a little, they will receive great good because God tested them. 
and found them worthy of himself. Like gold in the furnace, he tried them. Like a sacrificial burnt offering, he accepted them. Um, this morning, we're going to be reading about, uh, in our readings this morning, it's going to be about the, the, the souls who are waiting and tried and are uh, anticipating the Messiah in the midst of their persecution. Um, that is a been a common theme since the beginning of the church. Um, and that's that's who this stuff was written for. I mean, this is these books were written um, at a time of um, persecution and expectation. Uh, they were they were desperately awaiting the Messiah. The, uh, the Orthodox, if I understand correctly, and the Orthodox among us can verify this, but uh, I don't believe they have in their lectionary readings anything from Revelation. And the reason is because um, their worship service is structured to where they're at, they're living it out. You know, their sanctuary and the way they worship is set up to, as closely as they can, put you inside the book of Revelation, where you're actually in the heavenly space. Um, and so that, I bring that up because, you know, we're going through Revelation and we're going through this, but it's about the lives of the saints. You know, it's not, it's not theoretical. It's about, it's about the, the life lived and, um, living out this, it's not just in the words of expectation, it's a life lived in expectation mm -hmm. of Christ's return. Um, chapter 6 is very similar to what you'll find in Proverbs on uh, wisdom personified, lady wisdom. Um, if that's a theme that very much continues with this book and, and is expanded further. So this is one section, and then we'll have another <coughs> one right after that, a continuation of talking about wisdom personified, who, you know, reading backwards from the fathers into these texts, we understand this to be Christ himself. You know, so this is, you know, 
run this text through your lens of Christology and, and see what comes out. Wisdom is radiant and unfading, and she is easily discerned by those who love her, and is found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known to those who desire her. He who rises early to seek her will have no difficulty, for he will find her sitting at his gates. To fix one's thought on her is perfect understanding, and he who is vigilant on her account will soon be free from care. Because she goes about seeking those worthy of her, and she graciously appears to them in their paths, and meets them in every thought. The beginning of wisdom is the most sincere desire for instruction, and concern for instruction is love of her. And love of her is the keeping of her laws, and giving heed to her laws is assurance of immortality. And immortality brings one near to God, so the desire for wisdom leads to the kingdom. <clears throat> it's a lot like Proverbs eight. <laughs> yeah, it's also a lot like uh, it's also a lot like uh, John's letters too. You know, uh, perfect love is this. This is perfect love, and these things. You know, this, this is, is very. Uh, yeah, there is one difference uh, that might be interesting. <coughs> Translation of the Septuagint. Okay. <clears throat> In verses eighteen nineteen. Instead of immorality, they use the word incorruption. Uh, giving heed to her laws is assurance of incorruption. Yeah, giving heed to her laws is the assurance of incorruption, and incorruption brings one near to God. What's the significance of that? It's that. Uh, well, brings to incorruption. <coughs> yeah. So it's not it's not uh, uh, safety from dying. It's it's uh, it, it preservation just, beyond beyond. Well, to me, it just is more clearly Christological. Okay. In corruption, uh, because I mean, Christ immortal. Well, I guess, <laughs> but he did die. He did spend three days in the grave. Uh, it's all the corruption. So. You will not let your Holy One see decay. Yeah. Uh, wisdom is radiant. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. That'll come up again in a little bit. Um, I like what stuck out to me this time, and I had never, never noticed this until now, was... Um, uh, she goes about seeking those worthy of her and graciously appears to them in their paths. It reminds me of the resurrection scenes, you know, after Christ raised from the dead, just graciously showing up to person after person, unexpectedly, meeting them actually literally on their paths um, as they're going about, meeting them in every thought, you know, just showing up like, what are you guys talking about? And not even realizing that it's him. And he's just so gracious in those moments of revealing himself to them. Um, And appearing to people you wouldn't expect either, he, he appears to uh, he appears to the lowly. I mean, he appears to I think he appears to uh, two women before anybody else. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Um, she goes about seeking those worthy. 
um, Christ's view of who's worthy is very different than necessarily ours. Anything else on this section from chapter 6? There's this uh, there's this thing about wisdom being accessible without degrading herself. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's there in public, but she's at the city gates. You know, she's uh, you know, Lady Folly is is yelling like a like a prostitute. You know, and there's this contrast. Like they're both accessible, but it's different. Yeah, um, you've got to choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's something about like the presentation itself that clues you in as to what you're what you're getting. Um, so yeah, she's she is it is a it is she is available to all, but it's uh, in a much in a much more um, fitting way. This is just a footnote, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, but on verse 16, where she appears to them favorably, paths, and meets them in every thought. Uh, footnote reads here God knows our every thought and meets us when our every thought is fixed on Him. And I think that's kind of the key to praying without ceasing. Since God knows our every thought anyway. <clears throat> it's an easy concept, but it's a hard discipline. We can you know, train ourselves to look every thought to God as if it's a prayer. It's just there. Mm-hmm. It's a hard discipline. Mm-hmm. Like everything else. Yeah, there, I mean, even this, that intentionality, he who rises early to seek her, there's an intentionality of seeking. Can you take captive every single thought? Well, you can do more than you're doing now. <laughs> you can get it. Yeah. That's one thought, Yes, yes, yes. It's just, 
make an effort to seek here. It's like uh, we're encouraged to seek wisdom and knowledge as silver and gold. Yeah. It's like mining and prospecting. Mm-hmm. And then in the book of James, God says if we ask for wisdom, He gives it to us freely. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a there's a work and a labor on one hand, and then just receiving the free gift of God on the other hand. Uh, the next one that goes hand in hand. We're still talking about <clears throat> wisdom personified. For she is a reflection of eternal light, a spotless mirror of the working of God, and an image of his goodness. Though she is but one, she can do all things, and while remaining in herself, she renews all things. In every generation, she passes into holy souls and makes them friends of God and prophets. For God loves nothing so much as the man who lives with wisdom. For she is more beautiful than the sun and excels every constellation of the stars. Compared with light, she is found to be superior. For it is succeeded by the night, but against wisdom, evil does not prevail. She reaches mightily from one end of the earth to the other, and she orders all things well. I'll go ahead and point out uh, that uh, I, I really do think that this verse 26 was what the author of Hebrews had in mind when he penned Hebrews 1-3 because they're just so similar it's not a direct quote but it's so similar for she is a reflection of eternal light it's talking about radiance of God's glory and an image of his goodness the representation the image of his being Um, I mean I think when the writer of Hebrews was penning that about Christ being <laughs> more beautiful and more excellent than the angels. Remember, angels and stars in Scripture are essentially the same thing. This passage is talking about how Christ is, the Lady Wisdom is superior to the stars of heaven. Right? So this mirrors perfectly how in Hebrews it talks about how Christ is greater than the angels. Right? These two things go hand in hand. This is, Hebrews 1 is to me a commentary. On this passage. So. You could probably argue that Paul had this in mind too in Colossians 1 when he says in verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were made. And it's this, yeah, he is he, the spotless, yeah. wisdom is the spotless mirror of the working of God and an image of his goodness. And his yeah. And that, well, and he, he also brings in creation into it. You know, he orders all things well. Verse 27, uh, back to Revelation. Uh, so while remaining in herself, she renews all things. See, all things new. Renew, yeah, renewing. There's the creation, but it's making things new. It's, yeah, it's new creation. And it's in new creation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, making them prophets, passing into all the souls, making them prophets. How does, uh, does the OSB read the same as that? Or is there a difference there? Okay, so it's the same thing. The footnotes in this Bible here this, uh, also say what you were saying. Uh, the footnote Hebrews 1, 1, 2, 3 is mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. whatever. A reference. And they also uh, 
quote the prologue in John 1 through 4, mm-hmm. chapter 1 of the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. In, in the beginning with the Lord. So there's creation there. Yeah. All things were made through him. Yeah. That. And there's the light. It talks yeah. about light. Also. The life yeah. was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. This this light could not be overcome by the darkness. Here we have, uh, in this passage, uh, uh, light, yeah, yeah, daytime is succeeded by the night, but against wisdom, evil does not prevail. So this light shines, and that darkness can't overcome this light. It goes on in chapter 8 about having wisdom and saw her from his youth and desired her as a bride. And it gets into Song of Solomon type of language. This is, I haven't really given much thought to this yet, but there is that Revelation 12, it does, it talks about the, the woman clothed with the sun. There may be something there also, a connection to this passage. Um, because this talks about Lady Wisdom as being like the sun, reaching from one end of the earth to the other, you know. Um, so there may be something there. That, um, Something similar to Psalm 19.6 as well, the sun rising in its course. Like a chariot, yeah. You know, it's true, though. I mean, in every culture, I mean, you know, we have to go about our daily work and our daily life and our living and all these things raise children. I mean, you know, and there's either a wise way to do things or a wise way to do things. I mean, all over the world. I think this, this this passage here is what really first got me excited about you know these books, what I'm calling the peripheral canon, because when I read this verse 26, I mean, I immediately thought of Hebrews 1.3, and that just kind of opened the door to just the, yeah, the, the link between the New Testament and these verses, because, you know, I, I grew up hearing that, that, uh, one of the reasons that the Apocrypha is not considered scripture is because it's never quoted in the New Testament and it's just not true it's just false Um, and this was this was the verse that first sort of opened my eyes and then I found more that are much more explicit actual direct quotes this is more an illusion but the link is so clear to me uh, between this and Hebrews 1 and I love how you also brought in John 1 because again it's just it's so clear that I didn't break it in, but just brought it up. Well, yeah, you brought it to the conversation. Um, well, you did, you did mention this, but uh, uh, if I'm not wrong, uh, this book is typically dated only 10 to 30 years before Christ. How many? 10 to 30 years, years before Christ. Within the lifetime, yeah. Yeah, it's not ancient. So, uh, yeah. okay. it's 
it's a core eight, and there, I can't tell you what passage it is, but somewhere in there, there's been talk about the logos, mm -hmm. and uh, it's just a great way of seeing how God is directing Jewish, <coughs> particularly Hellenistic Jewish yeah. thought, yeah. leading up into the incarnation. Yeah. So all this yeah. stuff that they're talking about, the logos in particular, or even talking some about the logos, Philo of Alexandria, and how it was setting the stage in, in John and other writers just grabbed this stuff and said, This logos you were talking about is Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is 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 guiding, you know, these <clears throat> traditions together and intermingling them in preparation for the incarnation. Yeah. Moving in Greek thought and Jewish thought and Preparing the way for the Messiah. Yeah. Although I would call it BC agent. <laughs> Say what? <now? laughs> well, I would call it agent. For us today, it's agent. Ancient. Ancient. Yeah. Ancient. Yeah. Ancient. But it's not. Yeah. Not like songs. Well, we don't have many things in our lives that are 200 years old, much less 2,000. <laughs> so, yeah. Anything measured in the thousands for us is certainly ancient. We were actually just talking about that yesterday. That is very little in our lives that is goes back to the 1800s. Um, anything else before we look at the last passage? It looks like we're going to get done a little early today, but that's fine. Uh, chapter 10, 15 through 21. A holy people and blameless race, wisdom delivered. So we're still talking about wisdom here. A holy people and blameless race, wisdom delivered from a nation of oppressors. She entered the soul of a servant of the Lord and withstood dread kings with wonders and signs. She gave holy men the reward of their labors. She guided them along a marvelous way and became a shelter to them by day and a starry flame through the night. She brought them over a Red Sea and led them through deep waters, but she drowned her enemies and cast them up from the depth of the sea. Therefore the righteous plundered the ungodly. They sang hymns, O Lord, to thy holy name, and praised with one accord thy defending hand, because wisdom opened the mouth of the dumb and made the tongues of babes speak clearly. Um, well, first, y'all, anything... Y'all would like to bring out. Well, it's clearly following on the redemption of Israel from Egypt. The Exodus story. The Exodus story. Yeah, this whole chapter starts with uh, <coughs> the father of the world. It starts with Adam. And then there's passages that go through all the way above. Is Moses the last one? Yeah. Okay. So this is like, this this excerpt is on the tail end of that. Uh, in chapter right here. The title is Wisdom and Wilderness. So okay. Um, notice that uh, when it's talking about wisdom, it doesn't, okay. 
the, the man of God, Moses, that's not wisdom personified. It, you know, she entered, but, in, but, but that's not. It doesn't say that uh, wisdom and Moses are the same person. Um, it does say that wisdom personified as a character in the story guided them on their way. And separate from Moses. Moses, you know, led them, but Lady Wisdom also is leading them. And then it says in verse 17, Wisdom herself became a shelter by day and a flame by night. Okay, now I'm going to bring in a couple verses here um, just to show the the, the deep Christology of this and how this is taking the Exodus story and saying this is about Christ. And the first thing I'm going to do is point out Exodus 13, chapter 1. Uh, that is not the right passage. saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. So Jude makes it about as explicit as it can possibly be that it's Christ himself who leads the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Jude, verse 5. I can verify that in two seconds. Yes, it does. Which verse? Verse 5. I want to remind you that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Um, He says the Lord, oh. uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm reading directly from the Greek here. Um, So, I think that the other passage that I was going to read from Exodus was talking about um, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And the Exodus passage, um, uh, that, that cloud and fire is uh, a manifestation of the angel of the Lord. That's, that's what I was going to point out. Yeah, verse uh, 21. 1321? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Moreover, God led them by, by day the pillar of cloud and showed them the way, and by night the pillar of fire. Thus the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Oh, uh, well, that's part from them. That's even clearer than I remember it. That doesn't say the angel. That just says the Lord. The Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud and by night a pillar of fire. So, okay, so track, track the order of events here. Exodus, it's Yahweh leading them in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Um, Wisdom of Solomon says uh, it's Lady Wisdom leading them in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Come to the New Testament. That's Jesus Himself. Jesus is the I Am. Jesus is wisdom personified. This is Christ. So, 
I see the Holy Spirit in it also. It's God the Father, Absolutely. the Son, and the Holy Absolutely. Spirit. Yes. So it's the Spirit. It's the yeah. Spirit that gives us the wisdom and opens yeah. the Scriptures to it. Yeah. So well, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is, is there. Yes, the Spirit of Christ. Right. Yeah. And you also saw that in the previous passage too. Um, uh, a lady wisdom indwelling mm-hmm. souls and making yes. them into prophets. Absolutely. You know that is the gift of the Holy Spirit in the new creation, the renewal of all things. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, you know, it's also something to be said for the fact that the Holy Spirit is, in both Greek and Hebrew, a feminine word. I've been There's thinking, something there. Yes, I've been, I don't, yeah, been I don't, thinking that this whole time. She, 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 yeah. for those who are concerned about masculine yeah. and feminine yeah. and yeah. God. And I don't, I don't really know what to make of it other than that. Because we're talking about the Trinity, and I want to be really careful with my words here. Yeah. But there's something there, because it's in both Greek and Hebrew. It's a feminine yeah. word in both cases. Uh-huh. And Lady Wisdom is very clearly a feminine character. Yeah. Sophia. Sophia, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Sophia so calls himself Petra. Mm-hmm. Feminine. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, the, yeah, yeah. Now, the early fathers, you know, we're talking, we're talking from zero to, what, three, four hundred A.D. Their primary concern was, what do we make of the Christ event, you know, what just happened? The, you know, their world is reeling from the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you know. And their primary goal, over and above everything else, in their writings, in their arguments back and forth with each other, in their, um, in their sermons, was... Who, who is Christ? So, you know, when they are looking back at this stuff, they are laser-focused on the second person of the Trinity as they interpret these things. But I think, I think it's very right to point out the Holy Spirit here, too, also. And that's not to say that the second person of the Trinity is not present here. Jude very clearly says it's Jesus who is leading them through in the Exodus. So we are right to make this about Christ. Um, but we're also talking about the spirit of Christ. These two things are not mutually exclusive. Uh, that's really about all I want to say about it because I want to be very careful. Um, it's hard to read the word in that. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Um, so, yeah, talk to me more here. It's very difficult. We believe in the great triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but there's places like John says. Lord says in John, we have made our abode in your heart. And you know what to think about that. The Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts. But he's referring here as we, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit somehow mm-hmm. working in our mm-hmm. heart. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm just well, why, what do we mean too by wisdom? You know, we're talking about being learned or having lived a long, hard life. Oh, uh, you know, Paul, when Paul says that Christ is the wisdom of God, first he says to Jews, he's an obstacle. To Greeks, he's foolishness. But to us, he is wisdom. He's the wisdom of God. And uh, so, you know, he is, we declare him Lord. But Paul also says you cannot call Christ Lord, you can't declare him Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So it is this is that is the wisdom that that Holy Spirit gives us. They're all working in tandem. Um, they're working in complete agreement with each other. Yes. But the focus.
focus does, you know, is the focus is on the work of Christ, because that's what bridges the gap. Thanks for cleaning that up for me. But that's very earthbound people too. That's that's a humanistic viewpoint. You know, it's kind of for us. This is what God has done for us. What he has done in his own experience around who knows? Who really knows the depths of that? Yeah. Is spirit always feminine? Right here it's neutral too much. Mm-hmm. Is it Holy Spirit is it feminine? First so Corinthians two uh, ten says, "Revealed unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things." And in its Byzantine text forms neuter, both of those neutals and the, the the case of the word can change based on the preposition that comes before it. It so can also change. It can also change if it's an adjective word, but it is in its in its basic form. The word translated spirit, breath, wind is in both Greek and Hebrew a feminine word. I think there are some that are on uh, feminine and neuter words that are the same. Yeah, they have, so they have, have some of the same at times. Yeah. 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 Word to yeah. Not yeah. Actual the word. Yeah. yeah that's there true. is of the Holy Spirit. It's neutral. I just pointed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah you yeah. know yeah. formal yeah. 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 There, there is some There is some overlap between, between the endings that is true. Yeah. Um, and again, that also is affected by the preposition. So. Um, <coughs> anybody want to have the final word? Any final thoughts? Um, thank y'all for going through this with me. We're just starting to open the door here. So we're going to be hanging out here for a while. Um, these are just the first few passages we're looking at. And... Uh, Hey, we haven't fallen into heresy yet. <laughs> but, but let me ask. Let me ask. Maybe you said this before. We're seeing things that they pull from yeah. and that are Christological and so on. But why is it that it's not in? Did you say something? Why is it that it was not accepted? Because what is um, in there that made them question <coughs> it? Uh, in terms of content, um, so I listed uh, six reasons in yeah. that handout. Right, I know in the six of, reasons. So. In terms of con- the content, a couple of the reasons that are included in there are um, there's a couple uh, geographical errors um, where I think specifically one of the historical passages says Assyria when it actually should have been Babylon or maybe it was vice versa, okay. I don't remember. But it's a blatant error. It's just not correct. Mm-hmm. And then another, um, another thing is that in one of the... Um, I believe it's in the Maccabees. Um, well, just this book. Calling for prayer. Oh, Wisdom of Solomon? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, you I don't know no why. I have no idea. These books were all included together. Then I guess, yeah, we're talking about reasons not to include them as a whole. I don't think there was anything particular with this book. Uh, well, I guess um, on that maybe it was just because it was so bad. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah, I, in terms of the content itself, I don't think they're... But the church yeah. fathers could have included it, but they didn't. Because uh, some they of them did. Some of them did. It was about. It was split about fifty-fifty. I would say. Um, 
Uh, yes. Athanasius included them. Uh, the Council of Carthage included them. Um, You've gone through that. Yeah, yeah. There, and some people, some people didn't. Some people said no. They, they were a little more. Um, they were a little more. Um, I'm trying to be charitable here. Too they, late. Too late might be a good answer. They were too late in their composition, or they were a lot later. But yeah. There seems to be yeah. some investment in that 400 years of silence. If you if you uh, if you are holding to the idea that God was actually silent during those four hundred years, yeah. then this can't have been yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. inspired. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not saying that was that's yeah. the right approach. Yeah. There does seem to be silent, yeah. I have I have in my study of this in preparation <laughs> come to realize that four hundred years of silence is actually kind of a bad way to think yeah, about this four hundred years. That's, it's yeah. uh, Kind of nice. Yeah. So. Anyway, yeah, to be continued. We'll, we'll pick this back up next week. Thanks, Thank you.